Hi, Jay Knights, and welcome to episode 18 of the What the Austin podcast. And we are continuing on our Disney Villain Times Austin Villain journey. Anna's back on the pod with me today. So, welcome back, Anne. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I have so much fun talking about Austin with you. I love that um, you love Disney and Austin. And I love to hear that so many uh, listeners um, are kindred spirits and you guys love Austin and Disney as well. It's a, two great fandoms. Absolutely. No, two of my favorite loves. So today we'll be covering the villains in Sense and Sensibility and we'll be comparing them against Disney villains. So um, I'm excited to do this episode. There are some really interesting villains in this novel. Mm-hmm. And um, the first villain from Sense and Sensibility to cover is um, Willoughby. Um, so my Willoughby link was Hans from Frozen, who we've already kind of introduced. Um, I feel I do have a couple more, but he was my main one, I think. Um, they have so many similarities. Even though Willoughby doesn't set out to break Marianne's heart, um, he still does um, with that letter that he sends. Obviously, it's actually Miss Grey that writes it. But um, in the same way, um, Hans, obviously, I I wouldn't want to say he breaks Anna's heart, but he definitely shapes her perception of romance and love. Because when um, she first meets Hans, she thinks she's in love with him. She thinks it's love. Um, And then he kind of shakes that by just basically say none of it was true. And that's exactly what Willoughby um, says in the letter to Marianne. He says, it, was, it wasn't true. I wasn't, I didn't have feelings for you. I'm sorry that you misunderstood. Um, so I think those two things make them really similar. Um, another one um, that I had on the list, because a lot of these aren't like fully, it was like together, I think they make up his character. So the next mm. one was Hook. And I think that's just because um, Willoughby is kind of manipulative and savvy and um I think Hook's kind of the same he's able to manipulate um Tinkerbell and his crew members and also I think it's interesting that Willoughby tends to find loopholes to get out of things and Captain Hook's really good at finding loopholes as well in documents that kind of thing so I thought yeah that's quite similar between the two of them and yeah I think for instance Captain Hook says that he won't lay a finger on Peter Pan and so then he takes a bomb instead because it won't actually be him <laughs> killing him it's the bomb um but I think um like Willoughby seems to get out of things that he's done so um obviously the woman that he impregnates he seems to slide out of that um caught in Marianne and then cutting things off he seems to slide out of that and it's yeah I just thought it was really similar and then the last one that I had was Kronk um and that's because I think he's easily manipulated by older women so Miss Grey <laughs> that's Grey. so I thought that was quite similar between uh, Miss Grey and Willoughby and Kronk and in Yzma and um I think Willoughby can just be a bit of a numpty as well and struggle with balancing what's right and wrong and I think he sometimes just makes decisions based on the moment not really thinking about the consequences yeah, that's great. I didn't think about that. I really like that. And he's, you know, the handsome um, piece of man that Kronk is supposed to be, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, that's good. Who do you have for Willoughby? Well, I had Hans. Uh, definitely. Absolutely agree. And I said this in the Princess podcast, but whenever a Disney fan tells me they want to get into Austin, I always say, if you love Frozen, read Sense and Sensibility because they have so many similarities. And um, I feel like I, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying as far as um, Willoughby kind of like hurting Marianne uh, with the Miss Gray letter. I feel like that equates so well with 
um, Hans saying like, you know, no, I, I've never loved you. And he kind of acts like you thought somebody would love you. And that's foolish. And that's kind of how that letter comes across, even though it's written by Miss Gray. That is how that letter comes across. But I would say, even though Willoughby didn't have the intention to hurt Marianne, it's not in that same sort of way. He does say to Eleanor when he comes back, uh, when he's drunk and Marianne's sick and he comes back, which I always hate that that's not in the um, in the Emma Thompson Sense and Sensibility version of the movie. But when he comes back, um, he does say that he had the initial intent to just basically amuse himself, you know, just see if she could if she could fall in love with him. So, well, it's not the same kind of thing, like he's not doing it for money or, you know, to take over a kingdom. I think that you could definitely say that they their intentions aren't weren't great to begin with. It's just that he actually did fall in love with her versus um, Hans not falling in love with Anna. And I feel like the, you know, the Anna Hans Kristoff dynamic is so similar to Brandon uh, Willoughby Marianne. And uh, like I said earlier, Hans completely fooled me. I feel like Willoughby was another one of those who fooled me because I was, I was definitely 17 or 18 when I read it, totally in love with Willoughby, you know, the guy that comes out of the, the fog, you're like, oh my gosh. And then, um, then he's horrible. And he, you know, he reads poetry and you think this is wonderful, but um think again <laughs> says austin never trust a never trust an overly charming man if we had taken austin's advice we would have been in the theater at frozen and uh we would have known better <laughs> with hans <laughs> but, yeah. and willoughby cares more about money and status than um than love and that's exactly hans even though it's a completely different sort of thing they still choose money and status over lo- over love i mean hans never loves anna but it's still he doesn't give himself that possibility to to love because he cares about money and status yeah i love that absolutely um 100 i agree do you have um anyone else for willoughby uh just like a little minor one uh circling back to brom bones from uh the adventures of mr toad and or adventures of ichabod crane and mr toad uh it goes by quite a few names some people call it the legend of sleepy hollow so anyway that one that movie that we were talking about with the headless horseman one thing that's kind of interesting is um, the dynamic between Brom Bones and the school teacher Ichabod Crane. Brom Bones always is underestimating the sc- school teacher who he thinks is less than. And I feel feel like Willoughby, even though he doesn't really see Brandon as a rival, he still seems like he sees Brandon as a rival. He's always kind of having to make fun of him. And he's always sort of underestimating Brandon. And um, so I think there is like a little bit of a similarity there with that kind of arrogance. Yeah, 100%. I agree. No, that's a really good link there as well. Um, okay, so the next one, have you got any more you want to add for, for Willoughby? That is, nope, that is everything. Okay, so the next um, villain I have on the list is Lucy Steele. Um, so I'll see who I've got for this one. Um, I've got a couple, um, but mm-hmm. I think um, my first one is Madame Medusa from The Rescuers. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, so I feel like they share certain characteristics. So um, Madame Medusa is fixated on a single goal. She's desperate for this diamond. She's like, I want the diamond. I've got to have the devil's eye. Um, And she's obsessed with (laughs) it. And I think that's very similar to um, Lucy. And she's very determined to have wealth and money and a better status in society. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think they're both very manipulative for it. So um, yeah, very very socially scheming. I think both of them are self-interested um obviously because um Lucy spends most of the novel secretly engaged to Edward and um most of her actions are to ensure that that stays intact mm-hmm. 
basically exposing it to Eleanor because I think she can tell that there's something between them and um, befriending Edward's sister, Fanny. And it obviously backfires, but then Lucy seems to manage to bring it back and she gets um, Robert instead. So um, I think Lucy's actually much more sneaky than Madame Medusa because Madame Medusa is very much upfront about her craziness. Um, (laughs) And she's definitely more visually appealing um, and soft-spoken. So I think she's able to hide behind her looks and charms a bit more, um, which is why I've got a couple of people on the list. Um, So the other one that I have is... um, I want to say, is it named Bellwether? You from Zootropolis, the sheep. Yes. Um, yes. So, <laughs> so she comes across all nice and from the offset looks like really cute and friendly. <laughs> and she behaves really cute and friendly. But then when you actually, you actually find out later on that she's actually the mastermind behind the whole plot. So I thought yeah. that was really similar to Lucy. It's like she comes across like superficially and um like ex- on the exterior side of things she comes across as like this nice sweet um woman who's just you know in the marriage market like everyone else but it actually turns out <laughs> she's much more calculated than that it actually has yeah. a plan and that's all exposed later on um so yeah I've also put her on the list for um Lucy Steele and also the last one I have is Hades and um literally just because um Hades uses love to emotionally manipulate and blackmail people um, like with Meg and the fact that she, well, she sacrifices her soul for someone that she used to love and he runs off and then he uses Hercules to emotionally um, blackmail her as well. And I think that's really similar to the way that Lucy um, emotionally manipulates and kind of blackmails Eleanor into staying secret about the engagement. And mm. um, I 100% believe that Lucy knows about El- Eleanor and Edward having a connection. Oh, and definitely. He just twists it and uses it and makes Eleanor really suffer for it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's really similar between Hades and, and Meg. I like that. Yeah. I didn't think of, um, I didn't think of Hades or um, Medusa. I didn't think of, of either one of those. And I really like that a lot. That's, that's such a good one, especially with the, manipulating love connection lucy is one of my i don't know like i don't have favorite villains like i like i love that character think anything well of her i would say she's my favorite villain in just the fact that she is so well written like she's so well put together because she's so complex and she is so irritating and manipulative and just oh it's just i don't know just everything about her is just so well done it's just like it makes you cringe because you're just like oh my gosh but also i feel like she's so real like there's definitely people that you can meet in your life who are very much a lucy and i think that's what makes her more terrifying it's like she she could definitely be somebody that you know yeah absolutely i feel like she's she's one of austin's most three-dimensional villains to me i just think she's so well written and so well done yeah, 100%. I, I totally agree with that. Um, I'd love to know who your comparisons are for us. Well, my top one was Bellwether. So I, I had to grin when you said that. No way. Love it. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. It's it's exactly everything you said. She's so sticky sweet and has a hidden evil agenda. And I just thought it just fit so perfectly. And I have to say, I think it's so interesting. I think I'd heard this before. I think in the UK, you guys call it Zootropolis then? Is that what the name of the movie is for you? Yeah, Zootropolis, yeah. It's it's Zootopia for us. <laughs> Isn't that so strange? Oh no, that is so strange. I had no idea. <laughs> I remember because I, I follow some um some UK Disney fans on you know on Instagram and such. And so I feel like I remember seeing people when it came out saying, Oh, I'm going to see Zootropolis, and I was like, that is so strange. And I looked it up and it was 
you know, everyone calls it Zootopia here. It's so weird that they changed the name. But anyway, that is a complete aside. So um, absolutely agree with that. I don't have anything to add to that because I thought it was amazing. I did struggle with Lucy Steele until I came up with that one. And I was like, oh, this works really well. But another one I had that is not exactly, but I feel like has elements is uh, Mother Gothel from Tangled. She is, um, she's, for those who don't, haven't watched Tangled, which you should, because it's amazing. It's like my second favorite princess movie (laughs) after Beauty and the Beast. But um, Mother Gothel uh, steals Rapunzel away when she is a child because uh, she has magic hair that glows when she sings, to quote Rapunzel. (laughs) And this magic hair heals people. It makes them youthful. And so Mother Gothel steals her away from her um, king and queen parents and you know locks her in a tower like the classic Rapunzel story and but I think Mother Gothel is a very complex and interesting villain she's probably another like favorite Disney villain not in the sense that I like her because I absolutely hate her but I like if from a like a writing perspective I think she's really complex yeah (laughs) yeah I I feel like she has the same level of complexity that Lucy has so that's part of why I I picked her but I think they're both kind of narcissistic and they're both uh, passive aggressive. I was thinking about the way that Lucy is just so um, patronizing and passive aggressive to Eleanor. And that's exactly what uh, Mother Gothel is to Rapunzel. And she also, um, Lucy uses guilt to manipulate Eleanor. And that is something that Mother Gothel does with Rapunzel because Rapunzel is a really sweet, naive, good person. And I wouldn't say that Eleanor is naive, but she has a very strict moral code and she is a good person. And there are certain things that she you wouldn't do if someone, you know, someone says, don't tell, you know, that I'm marrying um, Edward, like she knows that Eleanor is not going to tell. And that's right. kind of like Mother Gothel was Rapunzel. She tries to manipulate her into not leaving the tower and, you know, various things like she tells her false versions of things. Like even Mother Gothel tells Rapunzel that um, that Flynn Rider has has left her. Uh, when mm-hmm. that isn't the case, he's she's helped in a kidnapping plot and Flynn, you know, actually does care about Rapunzel. But it's that same sort of manipulation that Lucy Steele uses to manipulate Eleanor into believing a false reality. Mother Gossel is constantly telling Rapunzel a false reality, a false version of the world is scary. You can't go outside this tower. You know, ruffians will kill you, you know, all of these sorts of things. And while it's not exact, it's not the same at all with what Lucy is telling Eleanor. And Eleanor doesn't really have that much in common with Rapunzel. It's that same level of manipulation of here's the reality you thought this was reality but here's the actual reality and it isn't the reality but it's this idea of of edward actually loves me so you don't have a chance you know and so it's this it's it's a complete lie and it's a very subtle manipulative lie yes oh my gosh 100 (laughs) percent. i love it definitely that emotional (laughs) manipulation so similar between the two of them absolutely yeah Amazing. Do you have anyone else, Lucy, still you want to add or is that you wrapped up? No, that, that is my list for her. Amazing. So um, I have one more on the list for Sense and Sensibility. Is that the same for you? And Robert Ferris? Robert Ferris. Yeah, okay. he's the last one. I did struggle with him slightly. I think more because we don't get too much of his character, I don't think, mm-hmm. um, in the books or in the in the adaptations of it. Um, mm-hmm. But I did pick um, a couple of people um, and one of them was the Queen of Hearts. Um, mm. And that was just that moment to moment living, kind of being not that intelligent, very, uh, got quite a bad temper. Not that you really see Robert Ferris like having a temper about anything, but he's very much unpredictable, a little bit 
well he's not very strategic whatsoever he just does things and it makes no sense you're just like what and that's a little bit like the queen of hearts where she's just completely unpredictable does random things at times and also i think they're both cowards in reality and the queen's a coward when she sees alice growing she gets really freaked out and um robert i think he's a bit of a coward as well because he he doesn't stand up for his brother and he just he goes along with his family but then he actually does the exact same thing that he was saying that his brother would make a massive mistake (laughs) for doing so it makes no sense to me um and then I actually just have one more for Robert and that is King John. And again, I think that's just that low self-esteem, really bad with money, but obsessed with money, um, superficial. Mm-hmm. And um, I just seem as like Robin it's Hood? from sorry, Robin Hood. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So King John's from Robin Hood. Um, and um, yeah, so he, and also he's like, um, he is the younger brother in the same way that King oh. John is. And um yeah, he's just like not very good with the with that position. He's like the the childish and bizarre younger yeah. brother. So I thought that was a, a link as well between them. Oh, those are great. I did not think of either one of those. And it actually, as soon as you said the Queen of Hearts, I loved it because um, one of my absolute favorite quotes from Sense and Sensibility popped in my mind. I just pulled it up here. I keep some of my favorite literary quotes in my um in my notes on my phone just because I'm a nerd like that <laughs> Love one, it. Of my, one of my favorite quotes from Sense and Sensibility it's not actually spoken out loud but it's like Austin's narration and it's this interaction between Eleanor and Robert Ferris I think they're in a shop where um he's getting gloves or something no he's not is he getting gloves or a little box or he's getting something kind of ridiculous at this shop in London and um he's saying all kinds of ridiculous things and um the the narration says that Eleanor uh, um, something like Eleanor thought that he didn't deserve the compliment of rational opposition which made me thought of, think about the Queen of Hearts because the whole thing with Wonderland is that there's no rationality there and so I just thought that's so perfect because the Queen of Hearts doesn't really deserve the compliment of rational opposition because you just can't be rational with her so that is such a great comparison I love it I didn't think of that at all oh my gosh and I love that you just like strengthened the argument so much in that quote. amazing <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one and it, I feel like that is such, that is just my favorite quote it's like something I would love to say to people you know when you're just talking to someone who's just talking complete nonsense you know you just want to be like you know what I'm not even going to respond to you because you don't deserve the compliment of a rational opposition it's just it's, <laughs> it's just it's awesome it's such a great quote <laughs> I would love it to really say is. that it's so funny <laughs> Um, so for mine, I really struggled with him too, but I actually kind of, I know I mentioned it before, but I kind of went back to, um, Lucifer, the cat from Cinderella, just because I think of Robert Ferris as completely ridiculous. He's his family's pet. He's smug like the cat. The cat really doesn't have a big agenda in Cinderella. He's just kind of like there and delights in other people's misery. And I feel like Robert Robert Ferris, like just delights in other people's misery. He's just sort of a side character who's there who just, you know, he likes to gossip, it seems like, like, it just seems like he's just, I don't know, he's just, he's not really like a true bully, but it's not like the perfect fit. But you know, he thinks he's better than everyone, which the cat thinks he's better than everyone. And the cat just sort of like gets all of his pompous personality from being a member of Lady Tremaine's like family and being kind of better than Cinderella even. And so I just, I don't know. I think he's like the second son. He's like the pet of the family and he gets all of his uh, self-esteem out of just being part of this, this family, even though it's like, he's not very important, at least at first. I love that. That's brilliant. (laughs) 
He literally is just like a pet. It's so funny. He is. And he just, he just like he goes around preening himself. I mean, it's not like you really see Lucifer doing this too much, but you just think of cats like preening themselves all the time. So absolutely. And you know what? I was really annoyed that it was so difficult for me to place people for Robert because when I thought about him, how he's portrayed in the adaptations, I was like, he looks like somebody who'd be like an awkward sidekick to a villain or a villain in himself. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what it was about him, but it's like he's just got this awkwardness about him and his yeah, appearance he really does. yeah absolutely <laughs> um that was everybody on my list for sense sensibility do you have any other comments you want to make or anyone else no that is it we hope you've enjoyed this and thanks so much Anne. that's been so much fun like i, I really enjoyed going through the villains but don't worry, if you're enjoying this series, there is more content to come this year. We have another three novels to cover and here is a sneak peek of the next installment. Okay, so the first one on my list for Emma is just, uh, but I just think it's interesting her ability within any circle or any kind of person that she could just zero in on that hypocrisy and call it out. So my first link to Frank Churchill is Jack Skeleton from Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, that's great. One of my favorite parts of the whole book is when Mrs. Elton keeps calling uh, Mr. Knightley Knightley, and then Emma is so upset about it. Love that. That's so good. Oh my gosh, what a way to kick things off. Head over to my Instagram at WhatTheAustin for all the updates and for all of Anne's info that will be in the bio. So go ahead and check all of her content out. Her YouTube stuff is great and also on Instagram as well. So I will see you in the next episode.